Welcome to the Leadership Development Group's Health Ecosystem Leadership Podcast Series. We're excited to have you join us. My name is Tracy Duberman. I'm the founder and CEO of the Leadership Development Group. We are a global coaching and leadership development consultancy with an exclusive focus in the health industry. Over the years, we've had the distinct pleasure of working with some of the brightest talent in our industry, leaders who are clearly making a difference in the work they do to provide high quality care for those in need while designing approaches to enhance health and wellness. The purpose of this podcast series is to showcase how leadership is the essential ingredient to address the ever-growing issues and challenges facing the U.S. healthcare industry. As we know through our work, the great majority of these challenges are too complex and wide-ranging for any one sector to solve independently. This is where a health ecosystem leadership approach pays more than significant dividends. Solutions which emphasize how the various sectors of the health industry operate interdependently are the only ones with the potential to deliver on critical imperatives like affordability, access, and outcomes. During this podcast series, we will introduce you to some of the best and brightest health ecosystem leaders who will share practical examples of how they have successfully demonstrated a collaborative mindset, as well as the critical behaviors that lead to positive outcomes for their organizations, their patients, and the communities they serve. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm pleased to welcome Dr. Jim Dunn, Executive Vice President and Chief People and Culture Officer for Atrium Health. As a member of the executive leadership team, Jim leads teams that focus on the engagement of Atrium Health teammates from recruitment through retirement, including workforce relations, diversity and inclusion, compensation, benefits, learning and organizational development, teammate health, corporate and community outreach, and government relations. A national expert in culture, diversity, and inclusion, and the employee experience, Jim joined Atrium Health in April of 2018. Previously, Jim served as the Executive Vice President and Chief Talent Officer for Parkland Health and Hospital System in Dallas, Texas. Additional leadership positions held throughout his career include HR and Learning Executive for the Cleveland Clinic, Chief Learning Officer for Texas Health Resources, and the National Vice President of HR and Talent Retention Strategies for the American Cancer Society. Jim holds a bachelor's degree in chemistry and macro environmental science from Howard University, a master's degree in business administration from MIT, and a master of public health degree in occupational health from Emory University. Additionally, Jim holds multiple doctorate degrees in education, organizational development, and healthcare administration from Emory University, Benedictine University, and the Medical University of South Carolina, respectively. So welcome to the show, Jim. Excited to have you on. Um, first right. of all, thank you. Uh, I want to say how much I uh, enjoyed and my team enjoyed your recent article for Frontiers of Health Services Management. And for those of you that are listening, the article is titled A Deep-Rooted Culture Evolves to Support Healthcare Heroes, and it's absolutely worth the read. And it gives great insight into this wonderful man that I'm interviewing today in terms of his philosophy on uh, engagement and how to drive a culture that supports uh, the workforce in a, in a really uh, deep and meaningful way. So Given the focus of your recent piece, we are excited to dig a little deeper with you on your underlying concepts and beliefs around employee well-being. 
specifically at Atrium, and how that translates into your leadership and culture shaping. So um, first question that I have for you is, could you tell us a little bit about how you first became passionate about healthcare and more specifically supporting those who work in healthcare through your people-centered roles? All right. Uh, Again, I'm happy to be here with you. Well, you know, it it goes back uh, to um, my first career. I started as a research scientist and an epidemiologist. So uh, very different from the culture work and HR work I'm doing today. But it's always been, um, I've always not wanted to have just a job or just a career or money has never been the motivator. You know, meaningful work. And early in my career, I really understood meaningful work when I had the opportunity of working for former president, Jimmy Carter, Mm. as his global HR person and chief of staff. And, you know, I spent, I think, around three years with him traveling the globe, watching him do things from election monitoring to uh, the eradication of, you know, global guinea worm disease to just all sorts of humanitarian things. And that's when it hit me that having meaningful work uh, is the most important thing to me. And fast forward from there, I was able to work with the American Cancer Society for 10 years. And it was just a natural evolution to move into the acute care space. Uh, And I look forward to finishing in this space and love everything I do every day. Oh, that, that's clear. Absolutely clear. And I, I completely can resonate with your passion about, you know, being in an industry that does well for others. I think that's, uh, that's what draws all of us to the work that we do within the healthcare industry. Um, how yeah. did you, how did you find your way to, uh, human resources? Oh yeah. Okay. I, I, I won't belabor this, but it was definitely by accident. Uh, I was working at the time for Amico Corporation, which is now BP, and I was running a couple of their toxicology labs uh, at a research center in Atlanta. And in one conversation with the head of our research center, he said, you know, Jim, we want to ask you to sit with HR uh, because they need some frontline folks to help them with a quality initiative back then called ISO 9000. I'm probably dating myself by even mentioning that, but it was the, it was the, you know, the, um, the, the big thing back then. And they were looking at a quality manual and they needed some people from the uh, research side to work with them. And I ended up leading that project, uh, becoming the interim back then we called them personnel directors, mm-hmm. interim personnel director while they were searching for a head HR and it never happened. I went into the permanent role and from there I went on to President Carter. So, you know, uh, you you and I discussed, you know, my background and, and academic background, you will see that it started out very much in the sciences and then later became more business and and org development related, but because that was the change in focus in my career. Interesting. Very interesting. You know, we, um, we work with leaders across what we call the health ecosystem. So 
We're working with uh-huh. leaders in, in, in provider groups and pharmaceutical companies, payer organizations and healthcare adjacent organizations as well, because we're aligned much like Atrium, which is around improving health and wellness. We do it from the perspective mm-hmm. of what leaders do in their organizations to do that. So you clearly uh, fit within the mold of what we consider to be a health ecosystem leader. Um, and again, I'll just recommend that folks pick up that uh, the article that you that you crafted in Frontiers. It's really, really well done. Um, we find that clients come to us with the admirable goal of enhancing patient health and well-being. And our role really is to uh, have a path, a, showcase a path toward that outcome that involves investing in physician and employee well-being through the lens of leadership development. Often this Mm -hmm. results in a sort of what comes first, the chicken or the egg conversation. Um, Can you speak to how Atrium Health views the relationship between employee or physician or and or physician well-being and enhancing patient outcomes? Sure, sure. Well, well-being of our teammates, including physicians, uh, is vital to the well-being of the patients we serve. You know, it it really takes a special person to be a caregiver. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I often say it's a selfless act that requires the person to put a stranger's needs before their own, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and that's never been more evident than right now in the time we're living in. However, we know that, you know, self-care is foundational to patient care. If doctors and nurses aren't caring for themselves, then they won't be they won't have any fuel in their tank to really care for others. Mm. So, you know, we recognize the fact that well-being plays in our business outcomes as well related to patient satisfaction. There's lots of studies out there that say, you know, happy employees, happy patients, customers, you could, you know, use that in many cases. Um, so before COVID-19, uh, we offer many ways to encourage and support our teammates' well-being uh, through a number of resources, internal resources. Uh, but since COVID, we've offered various well-being webinars on topics mm. like burnout prevention and mental health. Uh, we have provided leader-specific resources because we know that our leaders care for teams of people. And sometimes the leaders need an extra boost themselves. So, you know, in addition to some of our scheduled webinars that I mentioned, we also have on-demand content, which allows teammates to access resources anytime, day or night, you know, and these resources, our webinars, tools are put together by what we call our Live Well team, Mm. uh, which is a teammate well-being team. And, you know, they have all sorts of resources for topics like mental health, resilience building, meditation, and more, you know, and, you know, it's simple things that sometimes you just need to be reminded of. You know, yeah. some of us are wired to always see the glass half empty. Uh, but sometimes if you can refocus your thinking and, you know, to see the glass half full, it builds up resilience. Or, you know, people sometimes want to learn how to become an optimist. I mean, we we really took a hit as a society and, and as humans over the last 18 months of living in a very different space that we've never been in. And, you know, I firmly believe, and we do at Atrium, that you have to take care of each person, one person at a time. You know, one program, one resource, one webinar is not going to hit it for everyone. So I, you know, encourage my direct reports and Gene Woods, our CEO, encourage all of our leaders 
to do regular check-ins on your team and your staff because we're in a very different situation right now. So well-being, resilience, all of those things is part of everything we do in our learning and development framework, and it's offered to teammates, positions, and anyone. Sometimes even external organizations have reached out to us to borrow some of our resources, mm. but, and we share them. Yes. That's, yeah. It, it, it's a different set of, uh, I, I think, leadership competencies that are now being required of healthcare leaders in stewarding the conversation around employee health and well-being. Uh, it sounds like your organization is doing a great deal to provide uh, tools and, and, and skill building and other types of resources to enable your leaders to really become uh, almost like a, a champion for at, and or coach to uh, uh, the teammates that they support. Um, it's a big shift and I'm sure a, a heavy lift. H- how are you going about doing that? You know, and, and, and you call that, you know, uh, champion, and, and that's exactly what we call it. Today, mm. we have trained over 40,000 of our teammates to, to become what we call compassion champions. Wow. And, and, and that's as a part of a program that we have called Code Lavender. And it allows clinicians who are, uh, you know, well, in healthcare, we're used to responding to different cold events in our hospital and care locations. People mm-hmm. hear cold things. It could be weather. It could be um, uh, 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 anything, a number of codes. But who responds when a teammate or the employee themselves are facing stress, burnout, or mental issue? And so we created the uh, Cold Lavender, which trains teammates to be compassion champions where they learn to recognize signs of mental health uh, or if someone is the words or affirmations or just things are a little off, you can pull that person to the side and ask, you know, is it okay? Do you need time? Can I help you? And there are are rooms that they can go in to recharge. Uh, You know, it's it's important. I can't say more about that program. I mean, yes, we have an award-winning well-being program that was there before I joined four years ago, but we continue to invest a lot of energy in this space because we know that that is the only way that we will be 100% whole for our patients is if we're, if we put the face mask on first, right? Like on the airline, you can't take care of someone else until you take care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that, by the way. I didn't, I, I wasn't familiar with the Code Lavender. I think that's such a, it's a, it's a great branding but not only that, the fact that you've been, you were able to take 40,000 of your teammates through uh, a training on that is just uh, amazing. <laughs> yeah, Truly. It's, it's not mandatory, you know, it's just an offering and, and, you know, looking at the number of people who signed up, it, it, it tells us that there was definitely a need. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Um, in, in that recent article I referenced, you talked about how alleviating burnout is not only a matter of personal wellness, but it also involves removing the systemic friction points that people experience as they try to achieve their professional best and helping them to build yeah. resilience. Can you speak a little more about your philosophy on burnout and the shared responsibility of addressing it? Yeah, um, well, you know, leaders... We, we, we all own our responsibility for checking in on our team about their mental health. You know, we've probably not stressed that, you know, when you're a leader of a team, you're thinking more about the work and, and the task, but you're also a leader that's responsible for their career growth, 
for their 100% engagement. And that also includes well-being. And that's new in leadership because, you know, in the past, I think it's almost been a personal thing, right? You know, if I'm really going through burnout and that burnout could be work-related, it could be family-related, it could be community, it could be society. You know, we've always had that that divide between work and and non-work or church and state, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Well, now we are asking leaders, bring your whole self to work. And when we lean in, we're looking for things that we can do, small things. Sometimes it's the administrative burden Mm -hmm. that a clinician or a patient-facing teammate has, and it's not taking care of the patients at all. We often think that all of the burnout is on patient care. So we look for ways of creating new roles that support those who take care of the patients. So you're either directly in patient care or you're a person like myself. I take care of you so that you can take care of the patient. Mm. So we stay connected to teammates. We focus on three key behaviors for leaders. Uh, We tell leaders to stay connected, see how things are going. uh, What are the challenges they need? Lean in and understand what's going on in his or her life to the extent that they feel comfortable sharing. Uh, And then we direct teammates to available resources. You know, during the pandemic, uh, we, the first wave of the pandemic, we spent $120 million as an organization taking care of our teammates. No furloughs. Uh, Everyone was kept whole during the entire time. Uh, We were providing food. In some cases, we were paying rent. We were assisting people with housing. Oh, I learned more about childcare than I ever thought I would know <laughs> because I was in charge of making sure that single parents and those with no childcare was able to come to work. Uh, so all of these things is, is part of the whole well-being program that's always been there, but we put a human touch to it uh, during COVID. And I really think it's enhanced the program that we already have around Live Well because it's very personal now. And we leaned in and in very special ways for the teammate. Yeah. The, uh, I said no furloughs or no pay uh, reductions, but one group did take a cut and that was the executive team. Nice. Uh, we took a 10% cut in our base pay and those dollars went to what we call, and you probably read it in the article, our heroes fund. Mm-hmm. And that is how we were able to fund a lot of the support to the frontline teammates. Yeah, I think that was a great example of walking the walking the talk for sure. The COVID-19 pandemic obviously had impact in local communities, but it has also impacted significantly the national conversation around burnout and mental health. What do you think could be different moving forward as a result of these conversations at the national level? Okay. Well, I think we all know there's definitely a turnover tsunami happening right now. Yes. Um, all health systems are facing this, and it's impacting retention and talent acquisition in the healthcare space. So I, I think, you know, this phenomenon is a consequence of, in, in small or large part, of physical, emotional trauma and burnout. So uh, because it's close to being HR on the hiring side or talent acquisition side, you know, we have increased our emphasis on, you know, robust well-being programs and resources we offer. We've expanded our benefits package available to teammates uh, because we know the candidates place an intrinsic value on personal well-being. And, and, and we're focused on that. Um, there was a project 
uh, trying to think of the name. I think it's called No One, no one Leaves, No One Wants to Leave, uh, that uh, some of our clinical leaders got together and they were like, we're going to have conversations between the leader and the organization. And what we say is my, we want people to walk away saying my employer cares about my mental health and well-being. Mm. And you know, that was one of the top things we hear from recruiting millennials and Gen, Gen Zers, I think it's called, yes, <laughs> as yep. well as you know, returning our qualified teammates. So I do believe on a national level, this has now become an expectation mm. that organizations, healthcare organizations and organizations and employers alike, you have to show me that you care about me as a person. Yeah. That, that you know, locking my self and my person and everything I'm feeling and thinking in the car as I walk into the building and then becoming, you know, a very, I'm a director of this and this is what I do. No, we're hearing very different things. Candidates, you know, are now sharing things about their lives that once probably no one would have shared in an interview. They want you to know that they're caring for a loved one. They also want you to know that Fridays is the day that they take their parents to the doctor's appointment. And they bring all of that. And I think that is their way of saying that I believe I don't want to go into a situation where I am stressed or burnt out or whatever. So let me put all of my cards on the table. So if you hire me, then you really are hiring me, my family my values, my culture, and everything that makes me who I am. And I think COVID has changed the landscape nationally and globally forever in that way. I totally agree with you. And I think it has significant implications as we look toward the future of healthcare, even in terms of delivery or design. What, what do you envision could be different? How, how might how might health systems look different going forward as a result of m- much of what you've said today, you know, uh, different ways of working, different requirements, uh, having yeah. more of a, you know, a take care attitude as a leader? Yeah. Well, to prepare for the future, what we're doing at Atrium is we're working on even stronger leadership development to mm. enhance each leader's effectiveness and creating a culture where Teammates can thrive under the conditions we just discussed. You know, we we know that our leaders need to enhance their expertise in having supportive discussions with their team while they also focus on the business. You know, that's not easy for everyone. You know, it's it's almost as if, you know, because it could become uncomfortable for the leader. Um, But we're teaching our leaders how to have those supportive discussions in a very authentic way. Um, leaders also need to provide consistent experiences and connection points for their employees, you know, with hybrid work or, Mm. you know, be a little bit more vulnerable as leaders. That is not a skill set that all leaders possess, you know, so you have to treat, I mean, train and, and have conversations with leaders, how to show up in an authentic and vulnerable way. And, you know, again, I think you mentioned it earlier, burnout sometimes can come from, you know, ineffective processes or the lack of resources. So we, we train our leaders to listen to their team's concerns and empower them to improve the processes right on the spot to remove those frustrations. You know, don't, don't wait to say, oh, let me call Jim and check with HR. If you know you need it right there and it's, and it's right there for the patient and it's going to enhance 
stress, burnout, do it, tell me later. Yeah. And, you know, if it was the wrong thing, then we will, you know, fail fast and we'll learn from that. But really empowering our leaders uh, to address burnout and mental health is critical and vital to our people strategy today and probably forever more. Yeah. I think that's a, a, an incredible piece of advice for leaders that are looking to um, enhance their, their employee health and well-being uh, within their own communities and industries. And because our listeners include uh, leaders outside of health systems, do you have other yeah. advice that you might provide for enhancing employee health and well-being in, in other industries? Yeah. Well, you know, people, again, burnout is, is not... Uh, linear in the sense that it's one thing. It's not work. It's not home. It's a combination of the world we live in. So what I, I share, you know, agnostic to industry is make sure that you do listening tours. Um, make certain that you have things that recognize teammates or employees for living your values or commitment. Uh, we have an annual award we call the Pinnacle Award that recognizes our teammates who we believe are living the values and our commitments. And we celebrate them in a very big way. Uh, we had to do it virtual, you know, last year, but typically we, it's a banquet. They bring their families, they're dressed in, you know, evening gear. I mean, it's just a great time. We also encourage a lot of e-cards and, you know, people sending things to each other. You don't have to wait for a formal, you know, process to say, I saw you doing something great. Thank you for that. Mm. And we, oh my gosh, I think we had over a million e-cards sent across our, I don't want to exaggerate, but at least somewhere between 500,000 to a million e-cards sent wow. just between employees to employees. It's, you know, it's like me telling you as my colleague, I appreciate you for these reasons. And you don't have to do that in, you know, in front of a big audience. And some people prefer that. So I would just say you really have to look at all of your reward recognition programs. You have to look at your career development platform. Uh, you know, this generation is quick to say what's next. So you need to be thinking what's next. Even if they're not, you need to be prepared for that conversation. Because otherwise, the recruiting organization will have thought through that and create a career platform for them that's going to be much more attractive than you and your organization. And you may, and they may love working there, but you've not had that conversation with them. So they have no idea how you feel about them. And yeah. you know what we do as adults in the absence of information, we, we feel it. Yeah. <laughs> we, 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 we close the narrative in my mind. My boss is not talking to me about career development opportunities because he doesn't like me. He doesn't think that I'm going to be promoted. I'm not doing a great job. You have to reinforce performance and the right performance more often uh, in a virtual environment, and particularly right now after COVID. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree with you more. It's focusing on you know how you lead and 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 what not only what the metrics, but also how how you go about leading, which again sounds like creating a, a coaching culture that's inclusive and diverse and. Uh, it sounds like your organization, Atrium, um, not sounds like I know, has been doing a lot of work around reskilling and retraining, um, uh, de developing leaders to have that type of perspective so that you can remain competitive. Um, yeah. 
So, so Jim, the last question, which I ask all of our guests, and you certainly have had an illustrious career and God knows it for the sake of the industry, I hope it continues for many, many years to follow. That said, when you think about your legacy as a leader, what do you want that to be? Wow. Well, I would, I would hope that any organization that I work with uh, was better when I left than when I started. Uh, I would hope that I have been a mentor to those in and outside of the industry because I'm at the point in my career now there's nothing I'm grabbing for, but I really enjoy bringing others along. So if I have a legacy that I've left an organization better than it was and I can look across the you know globe and see talent that I've helped coach or usher along the way, I think that will make for a great retirement on the beach at whatever point in my career I do that. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, hopefully you get little, little uh, breaks of, of beach vacations along the way, right? We, we have to take care of ourselves to take care of others. So I'm I'm wishing that for you. I happen to know, uh, just following you for your career, that you have done wonders for many of those that have worked uh, for you, beside you, uh, above you. So, you know, continue to do great work, Jim. I'm, I'm happy that you took the time to share your experiences with our audience. And um, I'm looking forward to watching what's yet to come from you under your leadership. So um, many, many thanks for your time today. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. For those of you interested in learning more about leadership, please visit us at TLD Group's website, join us for more interviews with health ecosystem leaders during our podcast series, and of course, stay tuned for the release of our book entitled From Competition to Collaboration, How Leaders Cultivate Cross-Sector Partnerships to Deliver Value and Transform Health. Thank you for joining us.